0: Welcome, everyone, to our 10th episode of Indotechno. Selamat datang semuanya. I'm Alan Halliwell, founder of startup advisory firm Gizmo Advisors and venture partner at Alpha JWC Ventures. For our Indonesian listeners, Pendengar Indonesia dapat Membacha transcript bahasa indonesia kami. This week's story can be described any number of ways. It is the story of the emergence in less than three short years of one of Indonesia's most dynamic household consumer brands. It can also be described as the story of one of the country's first and most pervasive quote unquote, new retail business models. And very notably, it is one of the very few profitable business models in Indonesia's technology startup space. To share with us the story of grab-and-go coffee chain Kopi Kanangan, we are very privileged to have join us today, company co-founder and CEO, Edward Tertanata. Ed, pleasure to have you with us. Pleasure to be here as well. So Ed, can you share with us your own story leading up to your August 2017 founding of Kopi Kenangan?
1: Sure. I started Kopi Kenangan in August 2017, but prior to that, I was actually doing a premium tea house before in 2015. I quickly realized when I was doing tea, despite us being actually the biggest premium tea house chain in Indonesia, we quickly realized that it's not scalable because a cup of tea at 40,000 rupiah or a cup of coffee at 40,000 rupiah is not something that's affordable to most Indonesian. 40,000 times 30 days, that's 1.2 million or approximately 30% of your Jakarta minimum wage or the capital city of Indonesia. So that is why we realized that Indonesia has a gap between instant coffee and your typical cafe or coffee shop all over Jakarta, which is mostly priced at around 40,000 rupiah. So identifying that missing gap, we decided to open something different than your typical third home coffee concept. Third home is a term popularized by Howard Schultz from Starbucks. In which your first home is your house, second home is your office, and third home is supposedly Starbucks. And that is why you see a lot of cafe with a nice sofa, fast Wi-Fi, and all those costs are actually incorporated into your cup of coffee. And what we quickly realize is that for people who drink coffee every day, not everyone actually want that nice sofa or fast Wi-Fi. They just want a good cup of coffee with reasonable price. And that is why we started Kopi Kenangan in Stanchart Building in August 2017, we intentionally opened beside three global chain which are selling coffee as well. The reason why we intentionally opened there is because we want to taste the scalability, right? If we cannot compete against the global brand which has a four or five hundred autos in Indonesia, then there's no way for us to actually scale up this brand. And it came to us as a surprise in August 2017. We were able to make our money back in three months, so payback period is three months. We quickly used that payback money to open the second store, third store, and all the way until the eighth store. We were able to gain significant traction and revenue, and that's when we decided to fundraise to offer GWC, and we've been a proud portfolio of Alpha GWC ever since.
0: So you guys have your beginnings in the epicenter of competition. You decided to set up shop with a bunch of competitors in the immediate vicinity. So you're clearly from the what-doesn't-kill-you-makes-you-stronger school of thought. Is that right?
1: If anything, if you are in startup, you should not shy away from competition. You should try to actually compete against them head-to-head so that you find the right product to market fit or you test your existing product to market fit. Or else then it'll be very hard for you to scale up in the future.
0: Ed, can you give us some quick facts and figures around Kopikanangan's current scale and growth rates? Sure. We
1: ended 2017 with one single store, 2018 with 26 stores. And then 2019 was a rocket ship for us basically. We went from twenty-six stores to two hundred and twenty-three stores. And as per December twenty nineteen, we don't have a single unprofitable store. So we are not just expanding rapidly, but profitably as well. And I think at that time, we were able to get a double-digit percentage EBITDA on a company level as audited by PWC. And on top of that, I believe that we are the number one online coffee delivery company in the country as well as per December 2019. And I think as per today, we have 354 stores. So despite the pandemic, we are still expanding at the rate of 30 stores per month, excluding the Ramadan period. So that is where we are. And we would like to maintain this momentum going forward as well, if not faster.
0: You have been able critically to maintain profitability during this hyper growth phase, but I guess more of a qualitative question. Ed, are you at all concerned about compromising elements such as company culture or employee competence in growing so quickly?
1: I think culture is actually something that you set up from day one. And as long as you keep on resounding that company culture, it will stay for many years to come. And interestingly, we have three culture in Kopi Kenangan. Day one mentality, one cup, one customer. And the last one is uh, teamwork. That is how we view the business. Especially uh, I would like to touch again on the day one mentality. I think it is a, a term popularized by Jeff Bezos of Amazon. And he was saying that day two is decline followed by death. So that is why we must always be nimble, fast, and accept risk as a part of our day-to-day decision. So that is why we have been very nimble as well in opening the stores, in investing in technology, testing out different products from both technology and company beverages. Those nimbleness and those experiment mentality when we just started Kopi Kenangan in August 2017, Is something that we've been maintaining since day one. In terms of employee competence, we believe that there are two parts to this. First is the store employee, where we are actually investing a lot in uh, learning and development. Because what we believe is that at the end of the day, they are the one who is serving the customer. So that is why investing a lot in learning and development is very important. And on top of that, one thing that most people don't realize in Indonesia is that it is not too often a company gives out shares to the managers who are actually working in-store. I don't think that is the case with any of the QSR companies in Indonesia. QSR stands for Quick Service Restaurant, and we are actually the first one in Indonesia who does that.
0: Ed, where do you want the company to be by the end of 2021? And what is the broader, longer-term vision of Kopi Kanangan? We believe
1: that we are not just a single product, or a single country startup, we believe that in the future, the potential for growth is to actually realizing the power of distribution. We believe that product is king, but then distribution is God. So that is why by actually having more stores, we will be able to be closer to our customers because uh, one of the things that is important for coffee or beverages is that convenience is very important. So the more stores you have, the closer you will be to your customers. So that is why we are opening at a very rapid rate. And I believe that by 2021, we would like to end the year with a thousand stores and where we are not just selling coffee, we want to be able to sell beyond coffee. And that is exactly what we did in 2019, where we have evolved from just selling the kopi susu, which is our hero product to selling other stuff like boba, matcha, Thai tea, other beverages as well. And going forward, realizing that distribution will be our biggest asset, we'd like to keep on layering new product on top from food and other stuff as well. And going forward by having more customers, more additional product and more stores, we'll be able to capture even more data of our customer and in return, increasing the uh, frequency and AOV of our purchase in the future as well.
0: Ed, as I mentioned in my introductory remarks, and you also referenced, Kopikanangan is very impressively EBITDA profitable. How have you been able to achieve that during this period of very, very strong growth? One of the things that I believe,
1: if you have a great product-to-market fit, you don't need to spend too much on customer acquisition. So I believe that most startups that I have seen in the region, or even China and the U.S. as well, is that many of the expenses actually go to uh, CAC, right? Customer acquisition costs. And for us, we have been very frugal in doing so. So for example, I believe that in 2019, the total marketing spend in our company is less than 10%. And that includes voucher expense, discounts, and other marketing collaterals that we are doing inside Kopi So that is uh, one of the key, in my opinion, in order for you to achieve EBITDA profitability in terms of building your startup.
0: Got gotcha. you. So much of the Kopi Kenangan story seems to come from the unique identity that you and the co-founders have crafted. Can you share with us some of the unique facets of the company's positioning that customers have come to love?
1: Basically in Kopi Kenangan, what we are telling our customers is that we are selling a high quality coffee at an affordable price. Of course, we are not just saying it, we are actually showing it as well inside our stores. And this is very important for any companies that are doing consumer brand. And that is why if you go to Kopi Kenangan, we actually use coffee machines that are world class, like Lamar Zoko and Victoria Arduino. And on top of that, we even use a high quality milk as well. And that is why if at Kopi Kenangan, you see that we display an empty milk carton because we want to show our customer that we are actually using a high quality ingredient and Those are actually marketing as well, right? By uh, showing, not telling, you are able to gain a more significant brand equity in return.
0: Understood. Now, coffee is not exactly an entirely new concept to Indonesia. The country is currently, I think, the world's fourth largest coffee exporter. And one, frankly, does not have to venture more than a block or two anywhere in Jakarta to find a warong, a small cafe, or a chain outlet to get one's caffeine fix. What gap in the market is Kopi Kanangan serving?
1: I think if you look into the data of freshly brewed coffee market in Indonesia, it's actually only 7% of the total caffeine spending in Indonesia. Whereas if you look into our Japanese or US counterpart, the bulk of purchase in those two countries are actually freshly brewed coffee. So even though you see a lot of warung or even convenience store around Indonesia that are serving coffee... Those are not freshly brewed coffee like the one you get in uh, Kopi Kenangan. So that is why that gap is still there, because most of the people who are playing freshly brewed coffee, they are selling it at a very expensive price. So there is nothing in between where there is a company that are selling freshly brewed coffee at at an affordable price, somewhat similar to a convenience store price. And that is exactly what we are doing in Kopi Kenangan.
0: What does the competitive landscape look like these days? Is it likely to change going forward and why?
1: To dissect our competitor, there are the legacy brands who are doing the third home concept, and that is not what we are doing. There is no way that they they can shift back uh, or pivot into our business model, which is Grab and Go Tech-enabled coffee chain. Because in the first place, they already ran a huge space, right? (laughs) It's not that easy to just shrink your existing space So that is very different than our business model. And I believe that there are a lot of copycats in Indonesia, which are doing exactly what we are doing as well, except for the tech enabled part. And that is exactly why we would like to invest a lot in technology as well, where we can acquire our customer, we can engage our customer. It'll be a very important factor going forward. And on top of that, the fact that our competitors that are at scale are mostly doing a franchise business model. And, as you can imagine, if you are a franchise business model, it's just very hard for you to offer high quality to your customer because uh, there is an extra mouth to feed you have the franchisee needs to earn some money as well. There's an extra seven to ten percent franchise fee that are not going to the customers, but then they are that are going to the business owners instead so those are some of the downside of having a franchise business model, granted they can scale much faster than us but then That is not what we believe in, because we believe in building an enduring company for many years or decades to come.
0: Gotcha. Ed, Kopikanangan's trajectory has been, indeed, from many measures, incredibly steep. On the fundraising side alone, the company closed a massive $109 million round in May of this year, making it one of the region's largest rounds, and particularly during the COVID era. Has this acceleration come as a surprise to you? And if so... What adjustments have you made to the business plan as a result?
1: So basically, I think this round came to us as a uh, surprise because initially we were not planning to raise $109 million. In fact, we were planning to raise on 40 to $50 million. But then due to the high interest in the business, we were able to secure that extra $50 million. And why that is the case is because I believe that our result speaks for itself. We didn't try to amass uh, as much uh, funding as possible. But then we just focus on the business metrics, which are the most important part. And as a result, with this extra funding, we might be able to expedite some of our vision, like opening more stores, going into food, and in return, entering the cloud kitchen business. And of course, other than that, we can definitely invest more in technology, unfortunately. We will not be able to expand regionally as planned. We were actually planning to uh, start this regional expansion in 2020, but then looking at the current condition, I believe that it is much better for us to focus on domestic dominance instead.
0: In addition to Alpha JWC Ventures and Sequoia Capital, our cap table also boasts the likes of Jay-Z, Samir Williams, and Facebook co-founder Eduardo Saverin's B Capital. Can you share some interesting anecdotes about how you built such an illustrious list of investors?
1: Just like I mentioned before, it's all about focusing on your business metrics. After the Alpha round, we didn't actually try to fundraise to Sequoia, but then we just keep on working very hard in our business. But then whenever that there is who would like to meet us, we'll gladly do so. And as a result, I think Sequoia was interested in us. We did our CSA round in 2019, and then being invested by both Sequoia and Alpha GWC both are very reputable investors, make some of the global investors want to invest in us as well. So I think back after Sequoia invested in us, or Jay Z Venture Arm contacted us. Uh, we pitched them, and they love what they are seeing, and they actually invited uh, Serena Ventures to be a uh, part of this uh, journey as well. And for Eduardo Severin, I think B Capital basically just is very bullish on both Southeast Asia and India. So that is why they would like to invest in businesses that have a good potential in becoming a unicorn or become an enduring business.
0: Well, my daughter would describe your cap table as pretty cool. <laughs> now, on the topic of other unexpected events, I assume that you had to rip up much of the game plan that you had nine months ago prior to the onset of COVID. What have been the most dramatic ways in which you've changed the way Kopikanangan does business in the midst of the pandemic?
1: Basically, in terms of what we are doing, thankfully, our business has actually been profitable because the revenue is a mix of walk-in and online delivery. One thing that anyone who is doing food, we must always realize that walk-in will always be more profitable. So that is why back then we were actually focusing more on walk-in first, but then now Looking at the condition, we have to focus on online delivery first, especially for this year. So that is why we are so expanding at 30 stores per month or one store per day. Is because what we quickly realize is that we don't have coverage in every sub-district in Jakarta. So we use our heat map in which we know where our customers are. And by identifying in which area we don't have presence, we are able to open as fast as possible, opening outlets that are actually delivery friendly.
0: Now, Ed, Kopi Kanangan also has a team in China. Can you share some color around that? One of the things
1: about tech talent, we have to realize that there is a tech talent war in Indonesia. Why is that the case? It is as simple as there is not many people graduating from engineering or software engineering in particular every single year. I believe if you compare the data, for example, people graduating from IIT in India or uh, Beijing University in China, there are hundreds of thousands of engineers graduating every year, whereas from ETB, I think you only have a couple hundred. And with the rise of tech in Indonesia, the demand is increasing, whereas the supply is not picking up as quick as the demand. So that is why it was hard for us to hire in Indonesia. So we decided to go to China, in which there is an oversupply of engineers instead of undersupply.
0: While we're on the topic of China, one of our industry peers has suffered some pretty bad coverage over accounting issues since the beginning of this year. What are the key takeaways in your mind from that event, Ed?
1: So it is an unfortunate governance issue. And I believe that uh, this doesn't have any correlation with coffee companies in the U.S. or Indonesia. We just continue on trying to become a profitable company and implementing at the highest level governance.
0: Is technology crucial to Kopi Kanangan's success? And where are you applying technology most successfully?
1: Technology is definitely very crucial for Kopi Kanangan's success because we can engage with our customer. We understand our customer. And in return, we can somehow increase the AOV of our basket size. And plus, we would like to increase the frequency of customers ordering through Kopi Kenangan as well because we need to be engaged to our customers. We need to understand them. We need to be able to speak to them. For example, in Kopi Kenangan, what we quickly realized when we were collecting data of our customers' purchase, many of our customers are actually only purchasing once a week, whereas if you're drinking coffee, most probably you're drinking four or five times a week. Especially after looking into our Nielsen data, we quickly realized that many of our customers are actually tying different bands every day. And that is when uh, our loyalty technology comes in. We would like to have a very sticky loyalty program which would make our customer keep on returning to Kopi Kenangan. And by understanding our customer, if they are not ordering as often as what we would like them to, we can throw in some voucher. They become more frequent customer. And on top of that, it is much easier for us to do bundle or add-on. So in return, we'll be able to increase the AOV of our customer's purchase as well.
0: What are the biggest challenges that you and company leadership are addressing right now?
1: COVID-19 changes the whole landscape of the hospitality industry. I don't think the hospitality industry has ever faced a more dangerous existential crisis than what we are facing today. So right now, we are just focusing every day to maintain cash burn at a very minimal level. And on top of that, we are trying to minimize cash burn by doing two things. One is uh, cutting costs, but we would never want to fire our employee because um, what we believe is that our employee is our biggest asset. So as long as we can, we don't want to fire our employee. And then second is one of the thing that people are missing is that cash burn is a component of both revenue and cost. So that is why we are still going at a rate of one store per month because that will eventually help us in minimizing cash burn as well. Because what we realize is that if we open the store right we can actually still generate extra cash flow to the company if we open it catering to the pandemic.
0: Ed, what advice would you give first-time entrepreneurs in the consumer and technology space?
1: An angel investor myself, what I have seen from some of the consumer goods companies that are pitching to us is that many of them actually spend a lot on marketing and CAC, which I thought should not be the case. In any consumer space, first thing that you need to do as a startup or in your day one is you must think about the branding. Where is your positioning? Where do you want to be? Who is your market? And most importantly, how are you going to be able to capture them without actually discounting or burning money? With Kopi Kenangan, we have a very clear value proposition and we were able to identify that missing gap as well. So that is why for first-time entrepreneur, please be mindful. Of this if you haven't reached your zero to one, you should not try to scale up too fast because if you don't have your zero to one yet, then maybe you are just scaling up from zero to minus 10, right So scaling up or blitz scaling is about 1 to n. Don't rush it. Just make sure that you have a great product to market fit.
0: Great advice. This has been a fascinating discussion, Ed, and it's been great to have the privilege to hear the Kopi Kanangan story firsthand. This concludes our tenth installment of Indo Techno. Thanks again so much for joining us today, Ed.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's an honor to be here.
0: The podcast was translated from English to Bahasa Indonesia by Alpha JWC Ventures. Terima kasih untuk mendengarkan. Sampai jumpa lagi.